Reed Martin and I are just about to open the workshop production of Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel, and we're considering other famous prequels. Reed, do you think our play is going to be um, more like Godfather 2 or more like the Star Wars prequel trilogy? It depends after which rehearsal you ask me. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 647, Other Famous Prequels. It's funny, when we decided to write, hey, let's write a prequel to Hamlet, What do we call it? I don't know. We went through a bunch of titles. We settled on Hamlet's Big Adventure. At the time we did it, I thought, oh, yeah, it'll be like, what if Tom Stoppard wrote Muppet Babies? Mm -hmm. Because Tom Stoppard wrote, not a prequel. I don't even know what you call Rosencrantz or Guildenstern or Dead. A worm's eye view of the original play. Yeah, like a a parallel. What's going on elsewhere as this play is happening? Yeah, Elsewhere in Elsinore. Ooh, that's a good title. (laughs) We'll change it. it. Elsewhere in Elsinore, a prequel. (laughs) Um, but then it occurred to me that, of course, Muppet Babies is a prequel as well. You know, they, is, is Jim Henson or whoever had the idea, well, we love the Muppets. What would happen if and what would we discover about the Muppets if we saw them as, as you know, children, as babies? And that's been the fun part for me yeah. about this show is like, OK, well, we know pretty much how everybody is at the beginning of the historical play Hamlet. Right. So how did they get there? Yeah. I, I mean, I, from the beginning, and I don't remember who thought of it, but maybe we both had the idea. Well, there's York, the skull, and he's a jester. Yeah. Well, we're jesters. Yeah. Yeah, so what's, what's, York, what's York like, and what role did he have in Hamlet's life? We have a clue from the original. Right. But that's been fun to explore. And, we, and the biggest clue we have is that Hamlet is probably the most autobiographical character in the Shakespearean canon, as far as I'm concerned, because he, exp- he, he, he has so many opinions about theater and plays and how it should be done, which I have to think are all Shakespeare writing specifically author's message, author's message to his own actors. Yeah, and so York in our play is Hamlet's, young Hamlet's mentor, yeah. right? Teaching yeah. him about the power of theater. So that, so that makes a lot of sense. And then everybody wonders, well, where's Polonius's wife? Yeah, and why is she never mentioned? Not even mentioned in the play. Right. So it's fun to, yeah. well, let's have a wife. And yeah, why is she, what happened to her and why is she never mentioned? And so, so that's fun. So yeah, I know, you know, the more we talk about it, I think we're going to be a lot more like Godfather 2. <laughs> yes. Fingers crossed. Well, and, and, and that is the fun part to, 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 uh, to uh, answer some of the questions that you have when you see Hamlet or read Hamlet. Um, but also for us, you know, in the way that Shakespeare was autobiographical, the minute we thought, oh, well, they've got to put on a show and Yorick has to have a ton of opinions about that we you and I just started bat- batting back and forth all the opinions we have about theater and the pros and the cons and the kinds of arguments that can be had about the value of theater and that was just really fun well and I think I don't know if it was in the writing process or a rehearsal but I think everybody said oh I had a teacher who had the same told me the same thing should I go into theater not if there's a single other thing that you would rather do or have talent. You know, yeah. if, if nothing else would possibly satisfy you, then give it a go. And I think all of us had, yeah. had a different teacher who told us the same thing. Yeah. Do you think I could talk you out of acting? Probably. Then you're not an actor!
actor. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. Um, um, well, and then of course, doing some of the some of the research. Uh, I realized that, again, going back, you know, Shakespeare did it all and did it all first. His fourth play was a sequel, Henry VI, Part Three, <laughs> what became Part Three, and his fifth play was a prequel, Henry VI, Part One. He wrote that one last. Well, I've been doing some research. There's a site, it's Wikipedia. And uh, it says, yeah, Shakespeare, Richard II was a prequel, Henry IV Part One was a prequel, Henry IV Part Two, and Henry V. And also then, of course, he wrote, Shakespeare wrote another sequel, The Merry Wives of Windsor. Well, and then it seems like we're on, um, we're part of some weird zeitgeist thing happening now, too, because we decided a year or so ago to write this play, and just like last week or the week before, a play opened on Broadway. It was just nominated for a Tony. Taylor Max Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus. Um, See, he heard we were doing a prequel, so he was going to do a prequel to Titus, and he said, "Well, I guess I better make it a sequel." Better make it a sequel, so it's not to copy the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Um, and, uh, and and the trailer has dropped recently for uh, uh, Ophelia, a movie starring Daisy Ridley from um, the from the Star Wars reboot. Um, uh, which ex which looks like it's the story of Hamlet, but from Ophelia's point of view. Which it looks cool. I mean, one of my favorite movies series. I think I've seen all of them. <clears throat> Planet of the Apes. Yeah, it's interesting. Some of them. I think the original five of them. It's kind of a loop, isn't it? I mean, it's it's yeah, it's yeah. it's sort of a prequel, but then you go, oh wait a minute. I guess they're traveling through time, and they're now they're back on Earth. Like it's, it's the third. The third one takes you back and becomes a prequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that that's I, I like that a lot. But the reboot the reboot films are in some ways a kind of a prequel to well, how did we get to where that stage? Yeah, but I think that it's a different explanation from the original five, isn't it? There are echoes. You see you see in the first Planet of the Apes reboot uh, that the, the, the spaceship going up in space that it supposedly carries Colonel Taylor, Charles Heston. You know? <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, you know, and I want to say, you know, I go across the Golden Gate Bridge frequently. Yeah. I visit Muir Woods from time to time, and mm -hmm. those apes hide very well. I have not seen any of the apes in Muir Woods. Let's see. So they're prequels to the movies, but they're sequels to our life. Exactly. They, have, they haven't happened yet. Um, speaking of Planet of the Apes, Star Wars, of course, the Star, the Star Trek, Star Trek just had its reboot with the new younger, <laughs> younger, uh, slimmer uh, Captain Kirk. Um, um, so, I mean, it seems, it, it seems very much a thing that people are fascinated by. And in fact, everybody that we've told about Hamlet's big adventure seems to be just tickled and excited to see it. You know, sometimes we'll tell people about the show we're doing and they smile and they go, oh, that sounds perfect. You know? <laughs> With about that much With enthusiasm. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this one they say, oh my God, I got to see that because we kind of, there's something about us. We want to know. We want to know what happened. How did we get here? Well, beloved stories and characters, it's fun to imagine, well, how did, yeah, how did that start? How did they get here? What happened before the story started? I mean, I, uh, you know, the book Lamb by our friend Christopher more. Yep, yep. It's it's it, I guess it's a it's kind of a sequel. I mean it's that gap in Jesus's yeah. life between when he was 12 and yeah. you know when he was called. Yeah. So it's it's a prequel to Jesus's adult life and I love that and and it's kind of I, I don't know if that was an inspiration to us or not at least subconsciously because he goes on all these crazy adventures 
But I'm, I'm sure that Christopher said, okay, do, can all this kind of at least semi be justified with, and, and it, it could be, and that's what we're trying to do with all the goofiness in Hamlet's big adventure. You know, yeah. to some degree, can we justify this craziness with what happens in the real play? Yeah, 100%. And yeah, he's written, we've written a, pre, um, a prequel to the greatest play ever written, and Chris only wrote a prequel to the greatest story ever told. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> chi child's play. The New Testament. Well, and of course, Chris wrote um, um, the, his, his pocket books, you know, uh, um, The Fool, which is Lear from the Fool's point of view, which is in its way a prequel, because you kind of get to find out in those, in, in Fool, certainly, how Lear's daughters became the way they are, which is fascinating. And I would think if you're doing a production of King Lear, you'd absolutely want to read that book. Um, in the same way that our friend Nicole Galland wrote I, Iago, which is basically Iago's memoir, and you, and you read it with a sense of, uh, oh my gosh, maybe the Othello story will turn out differently this time. Of, of course it doesn't. And if this piques people's interest, would there be any way to hear these authors talking about their work? Well, I can, I can only point you to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast archives, which are at ReducedShakespeare.com, and just search Christopher Moore. In fact, soon you can search um, Lewis Byard, B-A-Y-A-R-D, um, who uh, I interviewed about his, about his series of novels, and has just written a book called Courting Mr. Lincoln, which is in its way a prequel to, I'm reading it right now, it's a prequel to our historical knowledge of Abe Abraham and Mary Todd Lincoln and how did they get together and what was attractive to them about each other um, I mean it's just fascinating going back in time and you know we want to learn we want to we want to learn how we got here that's interesting yeah historically if you write a book yeah. <laughs> about somebody's life that hasn't been examined is that a prequel Right. I guess it's it sort of is it's, it's sort of historical research, but it's a prequel to what is generally known. I guess. Yeah, we keep delving in, and there's something there's something about this ongoing conversation with history, with literature, that the the the, the conversation itself is fascinating. It's like whatever whatever conversation you've had in a in a in a bar or at a book group. You know, it's that. It's that most fascinating conversation, but now on stage. 2001 A Space Odyssey, isn't that a prequel to the classic 2010? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Hi, this is Rich Fulcher. Bob Fossil from The Mighty Boosh on BBC America. And you're listening to the Reduce Shakespeare Company podcast. Hey, watch it, or else I'm gonna I'm gonna sit in a chair. Where can you RSC the RSC? You can see Reduced Shakespeare in your own home by owning your very own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and illustrated by the marvelous Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the US and the UK on our website. Our 2019 tour of the complete works of William Shakespeare Abridged Revised continues this week with performances at the Virginia Arts Festival in Norfolk, Virginia, followed by performances this summer in Meridian, Mississippi, Lakeside, Ohio, and Lake Placid, New York. You can also see the non-RSC workshop production of Hamlet's Big Adventure 
a prequel at Napa Valley College in Napa, California, running for six more performances over the next two weekends. Go to NapaValleyTheater.org for tickets and showtimes. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office venue and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with Reed Martin talking about a form that Shakespeare probably invented, the prequel. One of the most devastating routines about the dangers of prequels comes from comedian Patton Oswalt, which is very funny and goes on for several not-safe-for-work minutes. But I'll give you just the premise of it here. My geekiness is getting in the way of my nerdiness, I'm starting to notice as I grow older. I had this really sad realization. I was thinking the other day about a, uh, a time machine, if I had a time machine, you know, because I'm really into history, like would I go back and witness something, like find out who Jack the Ripper was or stop the Kennedy assassination. And the first thing I thought of doing if I actually had a time machine is I would go back to around 1993 or 94 and kill George Lucas with a shovel. That was the first thing that came to my mind and stop him from making the prequels. That's how I would try to save history. And speaking of movies, you know, I, I put it out there uh, on the Twitter um, saying if we were going to do a podcast about, you know, um, famous prequels, what would we talk about? And our friend Ronan Hatful, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Ronan Hatful, if you please. Yes, His Highness. His Highness, Dr. Ronan Hatful, um, who has written his dissertation about the Reduced Shakespeare Company, tweeted a, a, a highly um, academic and well-phrased um, tweet. You could do an interesting thread on auteurs, French word, mm. not bad, pretty must good. Must be a doctor. Must be a doctor who return to a cinematic universe which they originally created to answer questions. Uh, E.G., E.G., mm. <laughs> Ridley Scott in Prometheus and Alien Covenant, J.K. Rowling in Fantastic Beasts, Peter Jackson in The Hobbit, and George Lucas in the prequels. Yeah, I mean, well, we've covered some of those. Yep. Uh, well, and J.K. Rowling a little bit, uh, certainly with Fantastic Beasts, takes you in the days before Harry Potter, but her, her play or the play written by Jack Thorne based on her world, um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, is, is a sequel, but you also learn in those things a few things. Oh, wait, is that how Draco Malfoy got to be the way he is? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. No, there is. There's something about... So he's his Ronan's point is that these are cinematic... Well, J.K. Rowling is literary, um, but P. Peter Jackson, Ridley Scott, and George Lucas are filmmakers who are, who, wait, we've created these worlds. Hey, can we go back to the beginning of these worlds? Now, it seems like... It's, prequels are not as common in the theater as they would be in television, like, what is it, Smallville and yeah. things, you know, it seems like movies, maybe even literature, but movies and TV seem to do more prequels. In the theater, other than Shakespeare, uh, I guess Edward Albee wrote a prequel to Zoo Story, okay. right? Okay. Um, in the, you know, in the, in the last 10 or 15 years, yeah. obviously, before he passed. But, um, I mean, yeah. there's a sequel. Well, now I'm thinking of Eugene O'Neill, who wrote Long Day's Journey Tonight, but then he, but, and I don't know in what order he wrote them. He also wrote uh, Wilderness, which is kind of the, the sunny side version of that same story and those same sets of characters. Right. And then there's the sequel to uh, Raisin in the Sun. 
Uh, oh, yeah. What was it called? Uh, something Park. Oh, Clybourne Park. I was thinking Lorraine Hansberry wrote a, a sequel to um, Race in the Sun, but of course Bruce Norris wrote Clybourne Park, which is very much a sequel and an imagining of, well, what would happen to these characters or this house and 50 years later? Yeah, I saw it at AZT, and it, yeah. it was it was great, really well, great. And, and, well, and Lucas Nath has written A Doll's House Part 2, right. which, is, which is wonderful. It was just a wonderful imagining of what happened if Nora comes back 20 years later or whatever. Everybody's doing that show. Did you see it? I did. I saw it on Broadway with Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. yeah um, where did I see it? I saw it at uh, uh, Berkeley Rep. It was great. Yeah. Our friend Shannon Cochran did the world premiere production of it at South Coast Rep, where yeah. she played Nora. Um, yeah. So I, I think this is getting back to that zeitgeist thing that I'm talking about. You yeah. know, uh, Taylor Mac wrote Gary. Lucas wrote Doll's House Part Two. Why are sequels so much more common and popular than prequels? Interesting. That's a good question. Uh, a theory is just off the top of my head. It's like, well, we like this story. Oh, I wonder what happens next. Right. Maybe the human mind is, you know, we've, we've gotten up to this point. And yeah, so we're wondering, as opposed to it's a kind of a bigger leap. You've seen the whole thing. Then for your mind to go back to the beginning, how did they get to where they were at the beginning, it seems like it's a shorter leap to go, oh, where did they go from here? Well, and it's, yes, it's a shorter leap to go, where do they go? And then the kind of the adventure continues. But it's a, I mean, in my mind, it's sort of a more interesting puzzle to look at the prequel because you have a set of parameters. You can't bust the parameters. You got it. All right, well, we know that this happens, this happens, this happens. So, I mean, it's a kind of a trap a little bit that Avengers Endgame got themselves into, Wait, you haven't seen it yet. Don't tell me anything. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, well. Anyway, it's a sort of a trap that it got itself into. And unrelated, <laughs> unrelated is um, Back to the Future Part Two, <laughs> for instance, <laughs> um, that went back and basically repeated the events of Back to the Future Part One, but again from the side, from that Tom Stoppard sort of from the wi- looking at the original events, but from the wings. Yeah. Well, and and I think maybe it is more challenging to write a prequel because as you say a sequel okay the end you know where the end is so you know where you start and then you're free to go wherever you want for the rest of your play whereas in a prequel you can start wherever you want and it can be as crazy but you know where the finish everybody every character has to get to where the next play begins by the end of the prequel well and i but uh, yes and i love that in a prequel you see a prequel and you go Oh, that explains it, <laughs> you know, and or even if you or, or even if you go, wait, that explains it, you know, that it doesn't explain it at all. Explain it's mostly going to be the reaction to our show. But, it, you know, well, I think it's a fat. It's a fun conversation because, you know, I've told, you know, we, you and I have both told uh, people the events of Hamlet's Big Adventure. And and uh, several people have gone, oh, of course. Oh, that's awesome. And a couple of people have gone, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. It just occurred to me that if Gary is a sequel to Titus Andronicus and Hamlet's big adventure is a prequel, that must make Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead and equal. 
You can find the link to Patton Oswalt's routine about killing George Lucas on our podcast page. Then send us your favorite prequels via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. Thanks, as always, to Unequal, Matthew Croak, Web Surfaces by Ginger Power Limited, Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Dan Geddes. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Rich Fulcher, who can be seen on many episodes of the U.S. version of Drunk History, which, speaking of prequels, if you're not watching, you really should be. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 647-1941sts of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. So um, get your reactions ready for when you see Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel. We want, uh, we want your reaction to be more on the enthusiastic side than just blasé. Yes, more. Of course! Rather than, yeah, of course. This podcast is a production of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.